my parents are here this morning, so I have to say something in Afrikaans. So I just want to say, wie die oont oopgelos? The previous service I bragged, I said, I come from Wellington, this heat is nothing. But then I was sweating so much, there was so much moist on my shirt that someone asked me, why is your shirt so dirty? So I obviously have to take back my words, I, I struggle to handle the heat also. But a very warm welcome to you. And if you are, if you are here on holiday, still, still around, it's such a privilege just to have you visiting us. Uh, and, and we really trust that you enjoy your time here. And, and as you come in the holidays and weekends, just know you are always welcome to see us as a part of your family. Awesome. You are welcome to come and drink our coffee. That's why we're not today, and maybe at the challenge. But uh, if you're like me, you drink it nonetheless. I just want to pray before I go. Oh, Lord, as we open your word, as we look into it, we pray that the word will read us. We pray that we, that we will be reconstructed under your word that we will not come with a bent in our understanding to the word and then want the word to fit us. No, no, no. That we will come like clay and be shaped by your word through the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place and we respect you and we honor you for being in our midst, moving through the chairs, breaking open to hearts the word of God and pointing us to Jesus. We acknowledge you as our helper and we honor you in this place. Amen. This is a tough, it's a tough sermon for me because I almost feel like it's a little bit of a three in one, but I'm doing it in one. So uh, it's, it's like a buffet. So just see what you can get in. Okay? If you're anything like me, you can pack in quite a lot of food. So do that today with the spiritual food. Just see what you can get in and let your spirit digest it, all right? Um, Andres and myself, we, we exchanged a few words um, over the weekend. It was um, Pastor Andres' birthday. Can we just give him a clap? I know he doesn't like this. Sorry. <laughs> um, we, we spent some time together. And most of the time, the, the same things are precious to us. But I can see more or less we are both just seeing again, just the importance of the Word of God on our lives and entering our lives in a way, in a fashion where the Word gets obeyed, where that gives glory to God and steers our life in the right direction. It's very precious to us, and it should always be, but I can almost see us giving a, a very specific push in that direction as this year unfolds. And what I want to go for this morning is as you are on a journey with the Lord, it is His Word through the power of His Spirit that instructs us how to live. But there's another important thing that God gives us to help us, and that is those that we see around us, the other disciples. But <laughs> if you take the Word, the Spirit, and the people around us, guess who's the one of those that gets to hurt us? It's people. It's the hardest part of the journey of faith is to know when to trust and after you've been hurt, to trust again. Yet, yet, Jesus asks of us to do this together. And so I want to talk this morning about the friend that may touch your eyes. And, and you'll see why, why I've gone with this theme. 
we need friends more specifically we need other disciples around us to help us in our lives and so i want to focus a little bit on that part of discipleship how do we engage with one another because this i feel is a hurdle we must get over to continue to grow in maturity i've got a also i've got like a idealistic view almost that i aim for that i'd like to see when i imagine our relationships with one another especially the men with the men and the women with the women and and how we cause one another to grow uh, that we are free to speak into one another's lives that we are both honest and loving to one another I, i've got an idea for that that i'd like to see grow you know when you plant the garden it's only this little thing but you you imagine it's going to grow and you're going to cut it like a square and and it's almost how i see this year but this is a hurdle we must come over if we want to get this right please read with me in matthew 7 i just want to say my laptop crashed in the week so hendrik did my slides firstly that's why it's a lot better than usual but my synergy between my notes and my slide must be a bit off might be a bit off so just have grace with me jesus speaks do not judge so that you will not be judged for by the standard you judge you will be judged and the measure you use will be the measure you receive why do you see the speck in your brother's eye but fail to see the beam or the plank of wood in your own i just want to say on the scripture as i was studying it there's a scholar that refers to this section almost the word he uses it's almost a comical section the the examples that jesus uses they you can feel it you're like oh something in my eye and and then a plank and you're like oh come on just imagine imagine a plank in your eye and he's using these hyperboles to get across truths and 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 then he goes on the next slide we'll see he, he refers to people as dogs and pigs and then they come to attack you and it's 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 an action-packed piece of scripture and i, I was i'm i'm wondering i'm trying to to almost imagine jesus uh, speaking about this to the to the crowd and i can see him being genuine but i can also see him almost smiling you know imagine a plank in your eye um, but you'll see these hyperboles in the in, in the passage it's a fascinating passage how can you say to your brother let me remove the speck from your eye while there's a beam in your own you hypocrite first remove the beam from your own eye and then you can clearly you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye do not give what is holy to the dogs or throw pearls before pigs otherwise they will trample them under their feet and turn around and tear you to pieces wow that's it's just action-packed now what i want to do is i want to i want to just go almost for that first six words there uh seven eight do not judge that you will not be judged now if there's one scripture the whole world knows then it's that line there you disagree with some someone guess what do not judge me you tell someone they're they're wrong do not judge me 
Sometimes you come even with sincerity. You want to help. Do not judge me. It is the one scripture the world knows, but fails to understand. And we're going to unpack this a little bit. What is Jesus saying here? Because it almost looks like a paradox because he's saying do not judge, but then he calls people hypocrites, pigs, and dogs. He says, do not judge. Later on, he says, go into the world, tell the world they are sinners. They must place their faith on me, make disciples of them, tell them to repent. Right? So, so where does the scripture weigh in? My attempt this morning is to get a plumb line through the scripture that will help this community go forward and help you if you are visiting us this morning. What does Jesus mean here? We have to take this whole section and we have to look at the whole Bible to understand what he means. Now, the first thing that helps us with this line, do not judge, is to understand that most words we use to describe, not words like ease, was, okay, not those, but words like judge, all right, or love, or hate, or like, or not to like. Most of these words have what we will call a lexical range. A lexical range just speaks to the study of vocabulary and how it works. Now, let me explain. Give me one example, not judge, just another one. The word love. The word love has got a lexical range, which means it cannot mean something like a mountain. It cannot be used for something that's with, totally apart from the field it's on. But within this field, it does move quite a bit. Here's an example. I could tell Andres love you. And it is true. Are you with me? I could even tell Lisa, I love you. And that is true. If I do it in front of a husband, that would be maybe more appropriate. But I will not use that word because love has got a lexical range. Because if I go to any other woman, except for my wife that's sitting there, and I say, I just want to say this, and I've been meaning to say it for a while. I love you. You know the amount of trouble I can get in? Because the lexical range of this word. But I do love Andres, and I do love Lisa, but I love my wife in an exclusive way. Are you with me? If you take the word, it's, it's good to have fun with someone, but it can be bullying if you have fun at the cost of someone. Are you with me? Um, we have a beautiful African daughter. Um, if she comes to me and says, someone at school said something about race, I want to know what did, what did they say. I would say, what did they say? Then she said, no, we are going to the athletics and we're going to race. I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. You see the words got a range. Now what we need to do is when we see, when we think there's an apparent contradiction in scripture, there's never. We need to just get in the Word and treat Scripture the way we understand life to be. All right, just sit and try and understand. Now, on the one end, if we look at the word judge, it's, it does have a wide range, and we need to get to the heart of Jesus here. On the one side, there's a place. It is a no-go zone for humans, and it is the place where God is the judge. There's a place where God as creator of the world looks onto the world and decides 
what he's going to feed into the world as judge. He knows what's best for us, and he does it. And sometimes it's, it's hard to read it and to digest it, but we must allow God to be God. Let me give you one example. I think it's on there. No, it's not on there. When God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, it said he looked on the earth and he saw that the evil on the earth was tremendous. And then the scripture, Genesis 19.24, you can just um, read with me or, or, or follow me. It says, then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Who caused that burning sulfur to rain down? It was the judge. And what God decided, I don't understand everything. We can ask him one day. What, he, what the judge decided, he looked and he evaluated. That's what to judge means, to make a decision, to evaluate that this city needs to be wiped for the preservation of humankind in my image to continue. And he did it. You and I can never make that call. It is not within our job description. But for God, it is the creator. He decides. There was another time. Um, I'm reading from Genesis 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become. It's just before the flood. Follow me here. And that every inclination of the thoughts of human heart was only evil all the time. And so the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, I regret that I have made them. There's a place where God is the judge. It is not my place. And it is not your place. And when this judge, when God moves in this way, it is to remove evil, punish evil, and wipe away. On the other side of the word judge, it is quite a practical word. Uh, we find it in, 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 in the law. We find, we find a person, we put them on a stand, and we bring someone that did maybe atrocious things and broke into your house, hurt your wife, your children. And this person, what must they do? They must, they must judge. They must evaluate and make a decision whether this person should be rehabilitated um, in jail or whether they can just go free. Okay. To make a decision, to evaluate is also to judge. Let me give you an example. Sometimes we all do it or you know, we all maybe me. I like to watch a movie with my wife every now and then. And sometimes I must judge. Then my words are, I judged this movie <laughs> to be something else. I don't think it is appropriate. What did I just do? I evaluated, I judged. And now I'm making another judgment. Or sometimes my wife before me, let's put it off. Many judgments made in that moment. We just evaluated and we made decisions. Okay? I judge Claymont to be 30 kilometers from here. You judge Claremont to be 50 kilometers from here. Who is right? Who is wrong? They both can't be right. right? And I am not intolerant if it is 30 kilometers and you say it's 50. It's if you are wrong. Sorry. Wrong judgment. You're working on a budget for your company. Hey, you're 1.2 million off. I see the problem was in this item. I want, uh, my judgment is I want you to reevaluate. Is Jesus prohibiting us? Is he prohibiting us to come evaluate, bring truth, bring help? No, he's not. And we'll see why. 
He's not prohibiting us to make evaluations, to say whether things are good or bad. He's not even prohibiting us to bring truth morally into one another's lives. We're going to see that for a moment. For example, he says in Matthew 18, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, oh, here's a decision. You feel he sinned against you. You make a decision. That was sin, all right? Judgment number one. You go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Ah, very important key. You have brought your brother back. Now, many of the judgments where God is the one, where he, for example, divides the wheat from the chaff, it is a final goodbye. Many of the judgment we work with, it is to gain back relationship. It is to gain. It's an important key for us. Go to your brother. Go to him personally. Go to him promptly. Go to him privately and speak the truth with him and you will gain your brother. This is also Jesus speaking. Now what the world tells us, no, 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 no. Never disagree with someone to their face. Just tell them what they need to hear. Proverbs says, better are the blows of a brother than when a stranger constantly put his arm around you. Watch out, because the world is training our children to be cowards when it comes to the truth. When someone does something wrong, pretend you don't see it. Or say the wrong thing is right. That's the one extreme. The other extreme is that people speak the truth but with so much hate. Uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. What does Jesus want us to do? How should we work with the truth as a currency to help one another, to build one another, to gain one another? That is a very important question for us. It's an question, important question for you because you cannot walk alone. I just want to say this before I go on. We, play, we prayed with someone after the previous service, and this person came to the faith, and, and they were new in the faith, and, and unfortunately, this will happen. They were surrounded by many immature Christians, and they got hurt by people. It will also happen to you. And I just want to say, it happens, but you must do what that lady did. She said, I've got the courage, but now I'm wiser. I know now where to go for counsel. I know now where to go. So also stand up if you've been hurt. Amen? Now, Jesus goes on and he explains his statement. We're going to look at the parable of the speck in the eye. If we can go back. That's okay. Thank you. Uh, to that first slide. Sorry. That's, that's my synergy thing. Yes. Thank you. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For by the standard you judge, very important, you will be judged. And the measure you use measure you receive. Now, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye but fail to see the beam of wood in your own? Why is Jesus telling this parable? He is leading us into his initial statement. He's giving us tools to work back. How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye while there is a beam in your own? You hypocrite. First remove the beam from your own eye and then what? you can see clearly to help your brother remove a speck from your brother's eye. Now, who of you had something stuck in their eye sometime in their life? Come on, be honest. Okay, just keep your hand up. Just keep your hand up. Who of you, uh, if, if it was a piece of wood or steel, keep your hand up. 
if it was a piece of steel, keep your hand up. Okay, God bless you. It's good to have you still with us here. Because you will know. <laughs> you will know. Now, I, I, I told the story in the first um, sermon, and I see both of my friends are here, so I'm looking forward to tell this. So we were having a time with some friends at, um, at actually my father's home. It's here. And there was two injuries that day, two injuries. And the one person was walking down the stairs, and it was wet because of the swimming pool, up and down the stairs, and they slipped. But you know when you fall with your back like on multiple steps, it's like you get a hit here, here, and here? And he fell with his elbow to break the fall. And when he fell, I heard the sound. It was like, like oh, something is broken here. So, so I'm a, I used to be a bioconeticist. So the first thing I do is, so he gets up and he walks. And I'm like, can he walk? Uh, looks okay, looks okay. But now I'm worried about his arm. Because his arm is here. Touch, touch, looks fine. He sit down. He's in pain. He speaks with us. He manages to even drink something and eat food. Okay, that was a hard fall. The other brother, he's also here, was making caramelized onions on the stove. And he put sugar on the, on the, um, on the uh, onions, and a piece of sugar shot up into his eye. Now, the brother who fell on the steps, he came and socialized with us. The brother with the sugar in the eye, he was neutralized. He was out on his back with something on his eye. Because if you had something stuck in your eye, you will know. It is an extremely vulnerable part of your body. It is a place of your body that is not made for stuff to go into. That's this thing here. Okay. Food, sugar, splinters of wood, iron, kluer, right? it's not made for your eye. But if it gets in there, it's a very vulnerable part. And the eye, and a splinter in the eye, can you feel it when you're sitting here? You should, because that's Jesus' intention. It's almost like, oh, I know, I know what you feel. It is the same with sin in the heart. When sin falls into my heart, it falls onto a vulnerable place. And when something is in your eye, what does it do with your eye? It blurs your vision. So you can no longer see clearly, right? So Jesus says it's hard for you to see others in a meaningful way when your vision is blurred. Can you see that? When there's sin in your heart, it's very hard to see life for what it is because you're seeing with a blurred vision. What do you need? What do I need? I need someone to help me. I need someone to come near and then I need to do this. You know? <laughs> but when you do that, you don't call someone from the street. You don't just call the guy that's walking in the garden. And he comes there with his hands and he just took out the weeds and now he's going to help you. No, no, no. You call someone you trust because this is your eye we're talking about. And you want to keep your eye. You'd like to use it. It's very vulnerable. Who can come and work gently with my eye? Who can come and understand that they cannot stick a tweezer if you come here to my eye with a tweezer? I'm out. I'm out. Maybe your finger, if you touch it in a way, you can get it out. I'm not sure. Maybe water. I don't know who's the smart people. But, but I hope you've got experience. Now, what Jesus is saying to us 
if you go to Jesus and allow him to work on your eye, if you allow him to touch your sin, and you know it's, it's a shameful thing. Some of us, we are afraid of getting rejected of some of the stuff that has happened to us or some of the stuff that has happened through us. Okay? Sometimes it's just pride. Sometimes we just feel bad because we send stuff in our heart. But it comes with shame and rejection. And when Jesus comes and he puts his hand on my heart or on my eye and he helps me, I see again. But I experience his love and his gentleness. What did he do? He, sees, he says, Werner, there's something on your life. There's sin here, but I will help you. I will put it on me. I will be gentle with you. I will take your sin. Follow me. When he deals with my eye and he takes it out, Jesus says, I am qualified now to go and help you. Why? Someone has just been in my eye. And I know it was tough. I know I struggled with shame. I know I, I thought maybe I would be rejected. And then I experienced grace. Now I am equipped and qualified to serve in the same way. It is very hard, and you should not let someone close to your eye that is self-righteous, because they'll come with a spanner, you see. That's what Jesus is on here. Now let's, let's see him in action. just give this test before I go. There's a test we can do when we go near to our brother's eyes. We see something in their life and we go, if you are going with the intention or the plan to get rid of that person, you've got something in your eye. You've got something in your eye. If you go with the same truth in order to gain them, to help them and remain with them as they heal, you might be onto the right path. Look at that test as we go and see how Jesus deals with some people. So, and I've got three examples here where Jesus comes to the scene and there's sinners like you and me. But there's Jesus that sees the sin and there's other people that sees the sin. Look at the difference. In John 8, they find a woman caught in adultery. The Pharisees, they drag her out and says, Aha, sinner, found her, now we're going to kill her. They're right about one thing. She's a sinner. They're wrong about another thing. They are also sinners, but let's start with this. She's a sinner. Let's kill her. Jesus steps onto the scene. He says, okay, the first innocent person, throw the first stone. And they all disappear. They evaporate. Jesus speaks to the woman. Woman, where are they who has no one condemn you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Then look at that last verse, very important. He speaks to the splinter. Now go and leave your life of sin. Can you see that? He touches the splinter, but not to hurt. He will remain with her. He will help her. He does not condemn her. But he cannot say sin is holiness and holiness is sin. That would be a lie. He comes with the truth, but he brings her in. Are you with me this morning? The other group saw her sin and wanted to get rid of her. Not Jesus. The scripture is not on there. I'm telling you the story. There's a woman of the night. She's a prostitute. She comes into the, into the house of Simon, the Pharisee, not Simon Peter. And she ends up at the feet of Jesus. They're sitting on those round tables. So Jesus probably sitting like this. They're probably all of them probably sitting like this. 
on the table. It's almost like the, the, uh, 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 the spokes of a bicycle. So she's got access to her feet. I mean, she doesn't need to get under the, under the table. The tables are low. So she gets to his feet, and she starts to cry on his feet. It's quite intimate. She's, she's, on, his, she's on his limbs. She's crying on, her, on his feet, washing his feet with her hair, drying it. She's got this expensive oil. Everyone knows where she got the money. Jesus knows about this. Simon, the Pharisees, they both see the same sin. Simon thinks in his heart, if Jesus knew who that was, he would knew who's touching him right now. Because what he's thinking is, that woman will not touch me. You know what Jesus tells him? He tells him a story. He says, the one who is forgiven much, loved much. Look at this woman. That was Mary. And we see her name mentioned in the next chapter as she joined the party of Jesus, the group of Jesus to remain with him. He sees her sin, but he brings her near. Because his hand, when it comes, it comes to help, to lift up, and to restore relationship, not to devastate the relationship. It's an important test when we work with the currencies of truth in one another's lives. Are we going to make a point? Or are we serving with the truth to restore a relationship? That is very important. Are you with me this morning? Matthew 9, Jesus tells a man, Levi, Matthew, hey, I want to come to your house, invite your friends, and all the sinners and the tax collectors comes, and the Pharisee says, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are healthy don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. Go and learn what the saying means. I want mercy, not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The Pharisees see that these people are sinners. Jesus sees that these people are sinners. The Pharisees say, say, push them away, get rid of them. Jesus said, I have come for them. That's why I am here. Isn't that amazing? We should follow his example. Galatians 6, let's move to us before we finish up. Let's look at our charge here. Brothers and sisters, if a person is discovered in some sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Can you see that? Now, look, I'm using this word on purpose. The word judgment is a wide word. Someone must make a decision that that person, what they are doing, is sin. That is an evaluation, a decision. You see that, you see scripture. Wow, that's the opposite. They might lose their marriage. That is a judgment. But when you go close, go with a heart to restore and go with gentleness. Go for it. You have, you had a speck removed from your eye. You know this is shameful territory. You know this is hard. Go in love and support your brother. Don't say what is wrong is right. They will divorce. Don't say what is right is wrong. Those children. <laughs> go with the truth, but don't be self-righteous. Then you are unqualified to go in. All right? Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. <laughs> That's beautiful. 
Are you with me this morning? Let's go to Matthew 7 again before we finish up. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For by the standard, it's very important, for by the standard you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you use will be the measure you receive. I've got a question for you. I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it. <laughs> I'm still going to ask it. Imagine your foot slipping in this world. Imagine you almost slipping into sin. Would you like Jesus to walk into your life, put his hand on that splinter in your eye, that sin, take it out and help you and restore you? If you'd like that, just put up your hand. Let me just see if you're right. Okay. What did he just do? He judged that thing to be a sin. He moved in, took it out and helped you. Go and do the same. The measure you judge will be judged to you. Don't tell your brother his sin is not sin. Don't tell him what is wrong is right. Don't say, no, you, you are acting in love when you are being a coward. You tell him, don't turn your face away. If he's about to lose everything he has. Get in there, but get in there with love. But on the other side, don't throw truth around like this. Because people will turn and attack you. Like the pigs and the dogs. Be sensitive. See what God is doing. And come with a currency of truth and love with a heart to restore. Are you with me this morning? Who are your friends? Watch out for those who always put their arm around you. And you know they see what you are doing. And something in you want them to speak up, but they never do. Never do, but they are too afraid to speak the truth. Surround yourselves with those who put their hands around you and also speak to your heart. You will need them in the times ahead to help us course correct quickly. Amen? The friend that, might, that may touch your eyes. Just four things. I'm just putting on the screen there for you. Bring your eyes to God often for his touch. What am I saying? Repent often before the Lord. Repent often before. Course correct daily. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive to it daily. Course correct. Get into the habit. Oh, some, it's painful for a moment to, and shameful, but wow, when, when vision is restored, oh. Know how it feels when something, someone works on your eyes so that your heart will be prepared when you have to go. The second thing, bring your eyes to your friends for help. Bring them in on it. I have been struggling with this thing in my life. I realize I need help. If I don't get help on this, I might lose things that are very important to me. Will you help me? But I ask you, be gentle. It's hard for me. Do that. We've got scriptural backing for that. Confess your sins to one another. Okay, God gives us leadership, he gives us discipleship, he gives us people all around us to help us bring people in on your journey. Number three, when your brother stumbles, be brave with the truth. Don't call what's wrong. Don't say what is wrong is right, okay? Be brave with the truth, but be gentle with the truth. 
Because tomorrow or next week, you're going to need someone to be gentle and honest with you. Amen. And then lastly, stay in the relationship and serve. It's often the test that, you, that you're coming there with the right heart if you are willing to stay and help and preserve and pray and carry the person through. I'm talking about friendship, discipleship. Let's suit up, let's gear up. We can do this. Amen. You can sit in this place while I, while I pray for us. What is God saying to you this morning? Just where you are sitting, just take a deep breath. Maybe look at the screen if you want to. What, are, you, are you very hesitant to allow him to come near? Um, drop your defense. When it comes to God, you can always open your eye. If a person is willing to die for you, you can back them to do surgery on you. <laughs> Amen. If maybe there by number two, you've experienced a fair amount of pain, you are not alone in this. But I want to encourage you to get up and make friends again anew and ask the Spirit to give you wisdom. To allow people near to you that you can trust with your eye to work gently. Be a brave friend. Be a friend that speaks up when your brother is about to lose many things. Sometimes we behold two parties and we see the one party is sinning, hurting, or even in business cheating another person. And we see it and we turn our face. That is acknowledging the wrong thing to be right when it is not true. That's not true from the inward being. We need to speak up with love and gentleness. We need to be that friend. We need more people like that in our town, in our church. And then stick with your friends through those difficult times. Stay there. Pray them through. Your small group where you find yourself. Join one. Pray those people through. Remain there. Because tomorrow you will need help. I want to pray for us. Lord, as we bring our hearts to you, we've got so much to, to learn. But there's only one who is perfect, and that's Jesus. So we bring growing hearts to you. We bring hearts to you that um, sometimes are full of uh, these wooden pieces. We bring eyes to you that sometimes sees blurry vision, but there's one who sees clearly, and that's you, Jesus. And we draw near to you. Help us grow us. Tend to us, Lord. Yeah, I just specifically feel that there's, there's some people here with the, all of us here, we struggle with, with sin in one way or another we need to overcome. But some of us here, we just, we feel so much shame. I just want to tell you, if you're struggling with shame, if you're struggling with rejection, I want to tell you that Jesus does not turn his face away from you. He's not like those people maybe you encounter. He 
he is okay with you falling on his feet, touching him, being with him. But let him help you go. Go and repent of a sin. Find help. is not the time to call sin holiness and holiness. It is the time with gentleness to grow in holiness as the Lord leads us. If you are seated this morning, I would like to pray a special prayer with, with anyone that would like to make a, a new commitment to Jesus, to his love. And if you want to allow him to get into your life, to, to open your eye to him, that he can come into your life deliver you of some of the things you're struggling with and save you and wash you, then I'd like to pray a prayer with you this morning. So while, while every eye is closed, if you want to commit your, your heart to Jesus, don't you just want to put up your hand while every eye is closed? Just say, that's me. Thank you for those hands. There's a lot of hands. Just for a moment, keep your hand up. Just for a moment. Just feel free as you, you are indicating to Him going up. Every eye is closed. If you just want to make it, there's a small step of faith to remind you tonight if you doubt. You tell the devil this morning I put my hand up. I took a little bit of a step of faith. You can lower your hand. Let's all pray together and commit our lives back to him. Lord Jesus, pray after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you. My Savior, my only hope, Thank you, Jesus, that my sin fell on you, that you took the judgment that would fall on me, and that you lived the life I should have lived. And now I come to you for salvation, that you will save me. Give me what you have, your righteousness. And take what I have, my sin. I am yours. I commit to love you, love people, and find my purpose in this world. And I pray that in the name of Jesus.